morning. Can everyone hear me okay? You can hear me in the back? Okay. Is it okay back there? All right. So I'm so happy to be here <laughs> uh, in more ways than one. Um, <clears throat> but I wanted to talk to you this morning um, about winning with integrity. And that's something that's near and, and dear to my heart. And I know that it's really important to, um, to Virginia. So, so why, why UVA? Why UVA? Why do talented coaches, administrators, and student athletes choose UVA? How do coaches like Tony Bennett or Bronco Mendenhall or Brian O'Connor decide to work at a place like Virginia? Is UVA special? <laughs> and if so, why? So there, are, there have been some well-publicized issues related to intercollegiate athletics in the media. I'll just name a few, a few places. North Carolina, Michigan State, Louisville, Baylor, Mississippi, Kansas, Penn State. Very notable. In the world of NCAA compliance, UVA is not perfect. No one is. But UVA is one of those institutions, one of those athletic departments that historically has worked really hard to do things the right way. At UVA, winning is important, but winning with integrity is more important. At UVA, it is clear and very apparent that compromising integrity to win is not acceptable. I believe UVA is special, an academically elite institution in a Power Five conference located in fertile recruiting grounds, arguably the best conference in the country in football and both basketballs over the last five years, passionate and committed alums, and most importantly, we understand and appreciate the role of athletics in higher education. Our student athletes value their educational opportunity here at UVA. The coaches respect the balance between athletics and academics, oftentimes deferring to the academic needs of our student athletes. I'm here at UVA because UVA is who I am. Years ago, as a young administrator, dreaming about becoming an athletic director, I made a list, a list of the places I would like to one day be an athletic director. Guess who was on that list? <laughs> Intercollegiate athletics survives and thrives when we understand that student athletes are students first. When we devote resources and create programming for student athletes that acknowledge the fact that one day the ball will stop bouncing, that one day competitive sports participation ends. College athletics thrives when we understand that winning at all cost is ultimately 
losing. UVA attracts talented coaches, administrators, and student athletes because there is a realization at UVA that you can have it all. You can do both. A world-class education and an opportunity to compete for championships with integrity. We are uniquely positioned to lead the nation in this regard, a top three public university for, three, for 28 years in a row. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's <laughs> a top three public university for 28 years in a row. Not many places can say that, which is why we are uniquely positioned to lead the nation in competing for championships with exceptional students. It's our responsibility to make sure our student athletes have every opportunity to maximize their experience here at UVA, their experience as students and their experience as elite athletes. Based on the total number of student athletes, we have the 12th largest athletic department in the country. Our newly released athletics master plan is a $180 million project that impacts all 750 student athletes in our 27 sports. Because we believe in the total student athlete, we are dedicating 30,000 square feet within that facility for the UVA Center for Citizen Leaders and Sports Ethics. And we are already collaborating with faculty members and deans from Darden, McIntyre, Batten, Curry, Contemplative Sciences to help us create a curriculum and programming in leadership and ethics for our student athletes. In true UVA fashion, this center will set a new standard. It just doesn't happen anywhere else. And we will lead the nation in student athlete experience by collaborating with a great, great university. Certainly, we, we want to make sure that our student athletes compete for championships in their sport. We, we know that they have been participating as, as children in their sport since they were probably five or six years old. And we know that they want to be All-Americans, national champions, Olympians. They want to play professional sports. They love what they do. But we also want to make sure that they compete in the market, that they are prepared for life after sports. Before we go any further, let's take a step back, because someone may be wondering or questioning, why all the fuss about young people playing sports? No one in this room, of course. But someone may be wondering, why, why all the fuss about young people playing sports? This question reminds me of a quote by a famous person that you probably heard before, but I love this quote. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I believe that any endeavor should be approached with an expectation 
of performing and completing that task with excellence. Why would anyone ever have to do anything? Ever. So if we are going to compete, we should compete to win. Let me share a story with you about a, a little girl whose father was a janitor. And her mother worked part-time jobs most of her life. The little girl grew and earned an athletic scholarship to go to college. But for that athletic scholarship, she would not have gone to college. That first scholarship led to additional athletic scholarships, which allowed her to earn a master's degree and a PhD. An educated society is a better society. In case you're wondering, that little girl is me. And our student athletes' participation in intercollegiate athletics is far more than playing a game, far more. Access to higher education in any form transforms lives. And in some cases, that access saves lives. We are citizen leaders. We are educators. We are role models and mentors. We are doctors, lawyers, judges, CEOs, CFOs, entrepreneurs, teachers, principals, volunteers, and yes, athletic directors. Our success contributes to the greater good of the university community, the Charlottesville community, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and the nation. Fortune Magazine estimates that 95% of its Fortune 500 CEOs, male and female, 95% played sports. 6% of Fortune 500's CEOs are women. 6% are women. Of those 6%, 90% grew up playing sports. Of those 6%, 54% played sports in college. Researchers tell us, tell us there are three distinguishing factors for these leaders. Nerve, number one, nerves of steel. The courage to face a tough opponent with confidence and a sense of resilience. Nerves of steel. Number two, bold anticipation. Reading the passer's eyes in basketball. Anticipating the defender's next move. Surveying a situation and identifying strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Nerves of steel, bold anticipation. Third, last, a drive to win. Accepting a challenge while seeking collaboration to problem solve. Collaboration is really key, especially for me. When we are in the midst of such talented resources in faculty, dean, students, we should, without a doubt, collaborate to create something that's really, really special and unique around the country for our student athletes. All these qualities I want to see in any young person, regardless of whether they're a student athlete or not. I have three children, and I hope that they develop these, these qualities.
Let's see. I have a prop. I think I brought it in with me. One moment. <laughs> So you might recognize this right here. Recognize whose jersey that is? What sport? Men's basketball. No one in particular, just men's basketball. <laughs> but I, I want you to think about this because our student athletes take a lot of pride in wearing these jerseys, a lot of pride, because they don't just represent themselves, whether it's a, a game jersey or a practice jersey. They know that they are representing former student athletes, current student athletes, this great university, and the Commonwealth. And they don't take that lightly. It, it means a lot. And that's one of the things that I think really make Virginia special. And I have a video that I'd like to, to share with you that it'll take just a few minutes uh, to get through it. But some of you may be familiar with it. But when we talk about uh, our student athletes and our coaches representing everyone in this room and the university, we take it seriously. We take our obligation to be a part of this community very, very seriously. And so this video is a video of a community engagement program through our football program that Coach Mendenhall brought with him from BYU. And they do this every single Thursday during the season. Win or lose, <laughs> rain or shine, every single Thursday. This week's Thursday's hero is Tyler Shannon. When Tyler was four years old, he was diagnosed with bilateral retinoblastoma, a childhood cancer that attacks the eyes. After years of chemotherapy, cryotherapy, and laser therapy, Tyler is now nine years old and in remission. Tyler is a fighter and the perfect Thursday's hero. I'm excited for him. So we got Coach Gonovich and some soccer players here for you today. We brought you some special gifts, a customized scarf. Training jersey, a customized ball with our logo. We got a special message for you too, right here. Your strength and courage are incredible. I know one of your goals when you grow up is to play goalkeeper for Real Madrid. So I'd like to get you started. First, I'd like to present you with a goalkeeper jersey from the LA Galaxy and a goalkeeper jersey from the U.S. national team. We play on Friday this week. So he's going to wear this on Friday. If you heard, two of my teammates are your favorite players. Yeah. So we got Brian Delaney and Hunter Pearson coming to see you today. Oh. 
big fan of you, so we wanted to get you your very own jersey and uh, make, you, make you an honorary member of Team Kick. We also got you an exclusive football signed by the whole team. So we heard that your favorite movie is The Greatest Showman. And since you're a ringmaster today, we got you. I had to. That's not it. We got we got someone from the movie to say something to you. Tyler, hey brother, you're an absolute legend. I just wanted to say hello. It's Hugh Jackman here. And remember, life is what you choose to make it, buddy. And you're making it fantastic for everyone around you. So just keep doing what you're doing. Go crush it. You're Thursday's hero. Obviously, you know, being a hero, you have to get to places fast, quick, right? And in style. So, we got you. We got you a little gift to do so. fighting crime, but we wanted to help you get a head start on Halloween and bring you some candy! This right here is our team flag, and it symbolizes all of our core beliefs, and we have all of our Thursday's heroes sign it, and we would love for you to be a part of our family and sign it. What's your name and your favorite number? Number one! Three, two, one! Woo! Thank you. I'll take any questions that you may have about, about anything. Um, yes, sir. And we have a microphone, so if you can hold with, for the mic, that way everyone in the room can hear the question. Oh, you probably, <laughs> you probably right. So recording it. Oh, yeah, we're recording. Can't get through. <laughs> My question is, as part of your master plan, uh, are we going to get an indoor track and field facility? And if so, when? And if not, why not? Particularly considering the fact that that Cal College, 146 miles southwest of here, has had one for decades. Is that, is that, I, I'm new, so is that Cal College, Virginia Tech? Okay. I never, I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, no, no thanks. <laughs> so um, there, there, there's a lot there. So let's let's talk about track first, and then I want to talk about Virginia Tech. So um, so our facility uh, replaces the functions of U-Haul and Honesty Hall in the cage. Uh, Honesty Hall was built in 1970. U-Haul uh, and the Cage, those were built in 1965. Um, so we are uh, hoping to move our student athletes out of those facilities and into a temporary uh, 
training grounds is what we're going to market it as, brand it as, uh, training, training grounds. Uh, they are temporary modular units in the CAGE parking lot where we're going to move over 400 student athletes into those uh, trailers uh, until we can construct new facilities for them. So fundraising will be really important. Uh, the weather will be really important. But uh, to replace the functions of those facilities, we're going to have this 206,000 square foot facility, which will be a place for track and field and all of our sports to train during inclement weather. So it'll be a place where they can go, because right now, they run around the outer ring upstairs of University Hall. Yep. And so this new facility will give our track and field programs and the rest of our student athletes a place to train when it's raining, cold, snowing, inclement weather. It will not be a competition site because that increases the cost exponentially. And so Virginia Tech. So one of the reasons, and I've talked about this, this often, when you see healthy athletic departments, financially, and in really any regard, primarily the, the reason for that health is the fact that they have a healthy football program. Football is the primary source of revenue for athletic departments around the country. If you think about those great athletic departments that are fiscally strong and stable, they have fiscally, fiscally strong and stable football programs, which allows departments to invest in the rest of their Olympic sports. And so, so we have to get there. We're, we're not there. We are working to get there. We are working to create a healthy football program. And, and people, the number one question that I, I get is, how do you fix football? And my, my, my answer is really simple. Uh, we fix football when we invest in football. And when we invest in football, and over time, that investment will pay off. We'll create a healthy program that's uh, built the right way and wins with integrity that can help us throughout, throughout our entire department. Yes, sir. On a personal note, how are you going to deal with snow? <laughs> Me personally? <laughs> so I started, so I was born and raised in Georgia. You probably can hear that. Um, and we, we lived in Tallahassee, Florida for three years. We lived in Nashville, Tennessee for four years. Uh, but spent the bulk of my life in Georgia. I started here at Virginia on December 11th. Does anyone know what happened on December 11th? <laughs> it snowed. <laughs> you know what? I, I am I'm so happy to be here. The weather doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. I wish it would rain less, but I think everyone wishes that. Uh, but it doesn't bother me at all. I like challenges. Yes, sir. Got two right here in the front.
Speaking of big time football, uh, one of the big issues that's out there today is uh, talking about paying players uh, for their services and the amount of money that universities are making off of student athletes. What is Virginia's position on this and yours personally? Yeah, great question. Um, I believe in amateurism and I believe in the collegiate model, uh, primarily because of the educational opportunities. I mean, we, were, uh, we had a celebration last night for um, donors who have given to the VAF for 40 straight years. And so that's, it was 1977 to 2017. And in that time period of 40 years, just here at Virginia, uh, over 13,000 students earned their degree from Virginia through an athletic scholarship. And so if you, if you pay players, then where does the money come from? And who do you pay? And how much do you pay each person? And the revenue has to come from someplace. And there are probably maybe a handful of universities that could uh, afford to do that. The rest could not. And so the sacrifice would be other sports would be cut. And that would probably disproportionately affect women, which would take away educational opportunities, which I don't agree with. When you have a, an injured athlete who can no longer compete, what is the policy on sustaining those scholarships? Okay, that's a great question. That happens a lot, obviously, especially in our, uh, well, in all sports, really, because there could be a non-contact injury that could happen. But here at Virginia and at most places in the Power Five conferences, student athletes that are injured, um, if they're injured in such a way that they can no longer compete, that's called a medical exemption, and they stay on scholarship until they graduate. Carla, we'd, we'd really like to hear your comments on Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. <laughs> so, so I understand rivalries. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Auburn, Florida State, Miami, Florida State, Florida. Um, I, I understand rivalries and I know how important it is to beat your rival, which by the way, volleyball beat Virginia Tech last night in case you didn't. Uh, I know how important it is to beat your rivals. Uh, we've been talking in football, talking about beat Virginia Tech all year. And that takes courage in the summer to start saying, beat tech and that that is an expectation from bronco and so you know that's that takes courage to do because you don't see that a lot but we know how important that is um so much so that that i think that at some point we are going to be able to stop talking about virginia tech <laughs> yeah I, I really, really believe that, and I believe that um, that will be the case 
And what will happen at the same time is that Notre Dame and Stanford and such will talk about Virginia. Carla? Yes. Uh, what other colleges were on that dream job oh. list? <laughs> You're the first person to ask that. <laughs> Yeah, that I can't say. <laughs> Great schools. Great schools. Yes, ma'am. I'd like your opinion on um, the Farm Club for the NBA, which is located in Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> and what, if anything, should be done in college basketball to encourage the students who come to actually get an education as opposed to the revolving door it's turned into? Duke. Yeah. I'm learning all of these names, these special nicknames we have for these schools. Um, so the one and done is uh, prevalent at certain schools. They are a very, very small percentage of uh, collegiate men's basketball players, a very, very small percentage. And my preference would be that they be allowed to go, just go directly into professionals. Just, just, just go directly. And, you know, but that's gonna take a lot of people at different levels to, to make that happen. Uh, I, I understand that um, if, if young people have the potential and the talent and a wherewithal to start their job early, that they should be able to do that. Uh, what I like is for fans and supporters to, to have an opportunity to uh, get to know the student athletes that you support um, and cheer for. And that's hard to do if they're only there for one year. Um, you just start, it, you, just, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. Um, so when I think about uh, Isaiah Wilkins and Devin Hall, you know, that's, I think that's the ideal for collegiate athletics. Uh, two young men that earned their degrees, Devin actually earned his master's degree while he was still competing. Um, and, you know, and Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, so the list goes on and on. So it, it's a very small percentage of the ones that are actually one and dones. They're just, it just, it's just a big deal with the media. By and large, students are staying to get their degrees. And I will say this, uh, the most recent uh, data shows that over the last probably uh, 15 to 20 years, the graduation rates for student athletes have continually climbed. And so uh, today, over 80% of our collegiate student athletes earn a degree from their institution. Yes. Uh, first of all, Carla, uh, this is the first time I've had an opportunity to see you in action. And I've got to tell you, I had heard how impressive and how extraordinary you were. That is a gross understatement. Thank you. Thank you. You had earlier mentioned the P5 and potentially a P6, depending on how the American does. But the college playoff only has four teams in it. Mm -hmm. This is going to be, there, there's a time bomb sitting there. 
what is the future of a, of a perhaps expanded college football playoff system? Yeah. So that is something that's talked about often. Um, I, can, I can tell you that I had the wonderful opportunity to actually experience it. Um, I, I took the job. Uh, well, I was announced in October a year ago. I started in December. The, uh, the first uh, activity, first trip for my family and I was to the Virginia's bowl game. So we, um, we said we're going to go as a family and because that's the best way to get to know the coaches and student athletes really is when you travel with them. So we left on Christmas Eve, got on buses and drove to, to DC and, uh, and, it, and got to meet wonderful, wonderful young men and, and staff. We, we came back to Charlottesville, repacked and went with Georgia to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. And wonderful, wonderful opportunity, uh, wonderful game. Came back to Charlottesville, repacked, and went to Atlanta for the national championship game. And it, it's a wonderful opportunity for the student athletes, for the fans, the alums, the coaches, the staff. It's great for college athletics. Um, it will probably expand at some point. I think it will take some time. I think it will take some time, but I think it will expand, um, especially if you, you'll get more of a push for expansion. Um, it look, you know, Georgia's fifth right now. So on the outside looking in, um, there are several teams in that top 10 that would challenge the other three teams in the final four. I'm not sure anyone would challenge Alabama. Um, so I think it will expand. I do. I don't know the time frame, but I think it will expand. And I really believe, I, I really believe this. I really believe that Virginia can be in that mix one day. We, we've got some work to do, uh, but if Notre Dame can be in that mix, why not Virginia? If Michigan can be in that mix, why not Virginia? I, I believe we can be. Thank you. I really like the way you opened with describing the players in your athletic program as being uh, ethical and you know the honor that they bring to their uniform. And as a spectator and a fan, I wonder and I want to ask you, when we watch and uh, observe the players as the game plays out, how does Virginia manifest that? What do we look for to see that we say, that's Virginia, yeah. that's Virginia. I've got a perfect, perfect example for you. There are many, 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 many examples. But in August, I was at practice. This preseason camp is what it's called in football. So I was at practice. It was in August. It was hot, muggy, high humidity. And the way that Bronco coaches and, and his coaches coach, they, they teach the players to play through the whistle. So they hear the whistle, you're running to a play, you hear a whistle, keep running. It's a hustle mentality. It's a hustle mentality. So I was at practice, a defensive back got beat long. 
The receiver caught the ball. The defensive back fell. The receiver scored a touchdown. One of our coaches ran down the sideline directly to the defensive player who had fallen and it took him too long to get up, right? It was just taking him a second to get up, a second too slow to get up. Coach ran down, didn't yell, didn't scream, but was talking to him about playing through the whistle, about hustling. The player got up, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's all he said was yes, sir, maybe four or five times. Ran back to the huddle to do it again. Fast forward to the Miami game. We were beat for a touchdown. The running back from Miami was going to score. A defensive back ran from the other side of the field, across the field, outran everyone else. There's no way he should have caught him. Caught the running back, tackled him, saved a touchdown, took four points off the board, we won by three. It was the same player. Hi. Uh, can you share with us one or two challenges or pleasant surprises that you didn't know about before coming to Virginia? <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, so when I interviewed for this job, I interviewed in Atlanta, New York, and Boston. I never came to Charlottesville until I came for the press conference. So I had, I had not seen the facilities. JPJ is phenomenal. I think one of the most beautiful basketball arenas in the country. Baseball, phenomenal. Our sports that compete at Boar's Head, I was just out there this morning, phenomenal. But if you think about it, those are relatively small squad sizes, small teams. So the bulk of our student athletes, in fact, over 70% of our student athletes need new support facilities. So I, so I had not seen the inside of University Hall, Honesty, or the cage until I got here. So that was a surprise. <laughs> A, a pleasant surprise is the fact that uh, there are some phenomenal coaches here. I knew there were great coaches here because I'm a fan of college athletics and I pay attention to things. Um, so I knew there were some great coaches here. Um, Tony Bennett, I knew was a great person that represented men's basketball really well, represents Virginia really well. But un until I got here and had a chance to work with him, uh, he is better than advertised. Just better than advertised. Phenomenal. One more question. Um, 
So for coaches, we know they, they work really hard during their season and then they still work hard, but it's a little bit of a slowdown. As an athletic director, when's your slowdown? <laughs> <laughs> so this is funny because I coached for five years and it was, it was, it was, I was very fortunate to uh, experience a lot of success, work with some great people and coached in two Final Fours, played for a national championship. It was a lot of fun. And my husband and I uh, were pregnant with our first daughter when I was coaching. And, and, and I decided I was gonna go ahead and move into administration because the coaching was just too much, too much travel. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that way, and, and that was true to form for a few years, but as I advanced and, and moved to different places, it's, it's, it's year round. But it's not work if you, if you love what you're doing. I mean, I get to, it's three things I love. Higher education, young people, and sports. Thank you.